This is the Mailbox Money Podcast, and I am Bronson Hill. As a busy professional, I wrestled with how to grow my income without taking up more of my precious time. I learned that managing real estate, actively trading stocks, or being unable to scale up investments is not passive investing. This is the place where you'll discover new asset classes, develop investing skills, and learn from experts how to become financially free with less work than you thought possible. And now, get ready for truly passive income. All right, so screw the W-2, right? What does that actually mean, right? You know, actually leaving your job behind. It's amazing. Oh, it's always amazing to me that somewhere around 65% of people uh, don't like their jobs. They don't like mm-hmm. their managers. They don't like doing what they do. And so, you know, how is it possible to leave a job, whether you're interested in being a passive investor uh, and just receiving cash flow, or as we talk about on this show, the mailbox money show, receiving that mailbox money or being more active? Is it possible? Is it possible through real estate? Uh, well, I would say absolutely is possible. I have done it. My guest today, uh, John Rickern has done it. And so really excited to have you, John, talking about screwing the W-2, <laughs> being able to go after what you are here to do on this earth and really, you know, spending time with family and living out your values and just where you get to, you know, money works for you rather than you having to work for money. So how's it going today, John? That's bad. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Brown. I appreciate it. I love it. You know, it feels like kind of like a half offensive title, like screw the W2, man. Like, that's <laughs> well, like- I, I don't know. I don't even know how I came up with it. And I started like a little you know, minor hashtag movement, but that's like, well, it rhymes. And that was kind of my thoughts when I left my W2 job. It's like, you know, screw this. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. And I love you have, you have this new show and you also have another show, the podcast, which is the, what's the name of the podcast again? Uh, The podcast is the Wealth and Freedom Nexus. It's also connected with my website, but yeah, I started a separate uh, YouTube show hashtag screw the W2 where every Saturday uh, interview comes out where I've interviewed, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, early retirees, just anyone that's basically just said, you know, screw the W2 lifestyle. Yeah, that's awesome. And I was actually had the chance to be on the show yeah. recently and it was great. It was a great conversation just on how that actually happens. And mm-hmm. and I think it's, it's something it, I don't know. I, I realized there was a great transformation that happened when I was able to, uh, you know, even I was getting paid well, working 20, 30 hours mm-hmm. a week, but I was able to leave. And I just had this incredible sense of like, I mean, kind of like a, like, a, okay, I hope this works out, you know, kind of thing. Like, I hope, <laughs> yep. I have to go but I always figured like, if it doesn't work out in real estate, I can always go back and go find another, you know, job in the field, mm-hmm. whatever. But a lot of times I think we, we can kind of catastrophize and kind of say, oh my gosh, well, what if it doesn't work out or make it almost that it becomes our identity. If somehow we mm-hmm. were to fail, and that means that we're a failure. Do you feel like that's a big problem a lot of people face when it comes to trying to leave their job is they're just like, they just have no map for it, or maybe there's nobody in their life that's done it. Or for me, I know a lot of people like my whole friends and family, they were all like, you're crazy. Why would you leave your job? You're making 200 K a year. You're working 20, 30 hours a week. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. And, you know, just talk to me a little bit about that process. Most people go through. Yeah. I think for, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for everyone. I think a lot of there's a lot of fear out there, kind of like you alluded to, you know, what if I fail? What if this falls flat? What if my business implodes, whatever? And I don't know if we're just hardwired for that or if society kind of pushes it, but it's like, you know, so many people don't think of the positives. It's like, hey, what if this takes off? What if I make more money than I was at my W-2 job? What if I have more time freedom? What if this works out great? I mean, I think we're just all tied on to the negative parts. And 
you know, I'll admit I kind of had those same things. And originally I was actually going to leave my job at the end of 2018. And for a variety of uh, reasons, I actually stuck it out about another nine months. It was supposed to be 10, but that's a whole nother story as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now for you, what was your background? What did you do before? So uh, I actually uh, spent 12 years in uh, office equipment sales. That was my previous uh, W-2 job. And I mean, there were days I, you know, would work, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, I'd be on the road, 100, 250 miles a day. And, you know, after a while, it really just kind of grinds you both mentally and physically. Yeah, no, it is. It, it can be a grind. I mean, my experience, um, you know, I, gosh, I did, I really, same with you. I wanted to leave. It was like 20, I was going to leave 2020 right before COVID Then COVID happened. Then I got really angry because COVID happened. <laughs> I was like, I, I can't leave. And I just felt like I couldn't yeah. leave at that point. But then it actually was kind of a blessing because I was able to kind of work remotely. We weren't even really selling, but I was just creating all this stuff. And then it was about a year, year and a half later, I left. But I remember sitting at this spot right here. I shared this on your show that like I had this moment where um, I was thinking about the month end, quarter end, particularly if you're in sales, because sales yeah. is kind of like, <laughs> there's kind of an intermediate, right? You have like a go work a desk job somewhere. And then you've got sales is kind of maybe in the middle where, especially if you're outside sales, you don't really, mm-hmm. you know, you, you kind of oh. go into, you know, business to business sales and then, and then entrepreneurship's kind of over here. So, you know, I had some autonomy, but still, I just didn't have, you know, I had, I had those calls, you know, coming in from my manager of like, Hey, how's it going? What do you got in the pipeline here? Yep. <laughs> how's it going at the end of the month? So like, it was like the end of September, a couple months after uh, I left my job and I just remember thinking like, thank God I'm not doing that job anymore. Cause like, uh-huh. I'm just so glad I don't have to like, you know, I, I answer to investors. I answer, you know, I have my own goals and I have people around and, you know, and I have accountability partners and things, but I don't have to answer to a boss anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't have to, I can kind of pick and choose what I want to do. And if I want to take a week and go to Barcelona, like I go to Barcelona, like I can kind of <laughs> pick and choose what I want to do, which is amazing. And a lot of people don't realize like having time freedom is really a big part of wealth. But mm-hmm. uh, talk to us a little bit more about like your reasons for wanting to uh, quit your job. I mean, what were some other reasons for you? There was, a, I don't know, probably several reasons. Uh, the biggest thing, I mean, you kind of already mentioned it was just time freedom. And at the peak, to give you an idea, I covered a sales tori- territory that from if I drove from the far west point to the far uh, east point, it was about a four hour drive just to give you a visual. Wow. And I mean, there'd be times I, you know, left out, left the home at, you know, six in the morning, got back at six at night, had supper, you know, pulled out the laptop, worked on proposals, sent out emails, and sometimes did that to 10 o'clock at night. And yeah, the money's good, but then, you know, it just gets to the point of, you know, all I'm doing is working. I don't really have any free time. I mean, at the time I was just married, I wasn't a father at that point, but it was just kind of, you know, slowly, yeah, the money's good, but it gets to the point of, okay, there's got to be more to life than this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's the whole thing that, you know, I think as Americans, we work more like than Mm -hmm. any other country just about, I mean, I think they did a, they did a study just worldwide and they found that Americans work. They only take as far as days off with sick time or vacation. On average, we take 13 days off a year and the average Italian, you know, the average Italian takes off per year. Oh, I'm guessing about five weeks, maybe more. (laughs) Well, yeah, the average, this is just the average, the average Italian takes 42 working days off a year. Wow. Kind of like five day work weeks. That's eight and a half weeks of work on mm-hmm. average. So that's the average. So that's exactly. Just, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was insane. I was like, Oh my gosh, we're doing it wrong, whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, but then I've realized that this whole, um, 
the life deferred plan, right? Like I'm going yeah. to do this, then I'm going to retire and I'm going to just live the life I want. I'm like, it's, it's kind of a myth because a lot of people, they retire young and then they just get to a place where they, they travel, they do what they're going to do. And then they have no purpose. They have no sense yeah. of purpose in their life. So to me, like, I want to be, you know, I want to live to be a hundred. I want to be working, you know, like doing things <laughs> that I enjoy and I like, and also taking time and doing the things that, you know, doing the trips. I had five international mm-hmm. trips this year so far. I've got a six month coming up to go to Patagonia and Chile. Like it's awesome. So I love wow. it. Um, yeah. So I'm excited, but um, so for you, like, let's, let's talk a little bit more about, um, you know, I know this is, it seems like it's a passion of yours as well, but uh, you know, for you, I know you work with investors. Have you seen mm-hmm. any investors that have been able to do this passively that are more like, like maybe they're high earners, like doctors or, you know, people that own their own businesses and they've been able to invest passively enough to where it's been able to maybe not replace their income, but it's been able to replace their expenses. Cause I think that's kind of the most basic form of financial mm-hmm. freedom. Have you seen anybody that's been able to do that successfully? Um, I'd say kind of a mix, uh, you know, generally, and I'm, you know, just kind of speaking to my own network, it isn't so much, you know, high-end earners, you know, doctors, lawyers, whatever, and then investing passively. It's, uh, I don't know, maybe for lack of a better term, it's more of gig workers where, you know, I got a friend that he owns, uh, let's see, four, yeah, four restaurants in town. He has a number of rentals. Uh, he actually does day trading. Okay. Um, he's, yeah, just very uh, flexible, you know, can kind of work when he wants. And for him, that actually works great because he actually has a special needs child and uh, was able to be there for his family where if he was working, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, obviously that wouldn't, um, you know, work out very well. So, yeah. Yeah. So he's able to uh, live the life he wants to live. And that, that's another mm-hmm. way to look at it too, is that you build your streams of passive income. I have a friend named Rudy who I had on, on this show, the mailbox money show. And he, um, he has 20 streams of passive income Wow! he's trying, he's trying to get 50 and it's everything from like kind of little side businesses and hustles and things. I mean, some of them are semi-passive and then some are mm-hmm. passive and he, he'll rent, he'll like buy a, a, like a shipping container. This was before COVID <laughs> when they were shortage, but he'll like, he'll like rent it out for hundred bucks a month or whatever. And it's like, wow. get him for two grand and rent it out for hundred bucks or 150 bucks. And so he'll just find ways to like, just create value. And so mm-hmm. I, I love that. I think that's really awesome. Um, so for you, talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of methods. If someone's looking to get started in passive investing in real estate or other sorts of assets, uh, you know, what, what's, what are some of the first things they need to know? Because again, before you can leave your job, you have to become comfortable that like, okay, there's some other way that I can replace my income or, or, my, mm-hmm. or even my expenses. Um, and so, yeah, what are, what are some ways people kind of get started in this? Or you know? So I'll, I'll kind of, you know, give you my experience where I you know, I was very methodical where I started investing back in 2016. And, you know, you mentioned this, I have, you know, long-term rentals, short-term rentals, uh, my Amazon affiliates account, you know, just to name a few, but I've always been of the belief of trying to find financial freedom one bill at a time, because I think so many people, you know, pick your number 5,000 a month, 10,000 a month, whatever, you know, that's the amount of passive income I need to get. And I think so many people just get hung up on that. It's like, oh, I'll never make that. That's too, uh, too high of a bar to reach unattainable, et cetera. It's like, well, let's break that up a little bit. I always, uh, half joking, but more serious is everyone seems to have a Netflix account. You know, you're looking at what, 10 bucks a month, 12, I think 10 bucks a month for the basic plan now. So I just kind of, you know, mentioned to a lot of my friends and some of them have done this too, where, all right, let's just start with your Netflix subscription. What can you do that generates, you know, $10 a month for income? And 
that might be you know some dividend stocks that might be a you know passive investment through fundrise or realty mogul just to name a few you know nothing big but again we're only talking 10 bucks a month and all right once you have that ten dollar income stream pays that bill what's your next bill that's uh you know, a, an expense that comes up every month and just kind of work from there. And that's how I've just done this for the last six years of everything from our natural gas bill to our term insurance bills, uh, car insurance, home insurance. So I just kind of keep stacking it up with passive income. That's a great way to look at it, you know, too. And I think a lot of people think, because even for me, when I was, you know, making 200K a year, it was like, that was, that was a harder number to replace than the actual, just what bills do I have coming in? What's my minimum mm-hmm. viable like I can live sustainably on this amount. I realized like I live pretty simply that, you know, at 50, 60 K a year, I could live a decent life and travel and do other things mm-hmm. I wanted to do. And that was kind of like the rat race number. Right. And so once yeah. I can start replacing those expenses, okay, this expense or, you know, this income covers this expense and kind of just gets me where I need to go. And as an entrepreneur, you know, it's, it's interesting in this business of syndication because we've raised about 30 million. Now we'll have deals and I'll have, you know, literally I'll spend, 30 grand over three to five months. And then I'll have like no money coming in. And all of a sudden I'll have like some big lump sum of like hundred K or 200 K. Right. I was like, Oh, we sold this deal or had this acquisition or something will happen. But mm-hmm. um, you know, having cash flow is really amazing because it provides that baseline. Um, and the more different types of deals I'm in, the more my cash flow grows, which is great. Of course, I'm doing it more actively, but there are people that do it passively as well. So what are some ways, um, like you said, fundrise is one, uh, you know, people obviously syndication, can people can invest mm-hmm. in 50 or hundred K, uh, have you found any other assets that you like that are maybe around real estate or some other topics that are kind of around that, that you sure. Uh, well, and maybe the one I'll highlight that I actually did very well on for numerous years, those, uh, uh, peer-to-peer uh, lending platform, uh, Lending Club. Uh, right. Unfortunately, they phased out their program, but there's a few out there where, you know, you can start with just as 25 bucks and then you're a partial owner of a, basically a promissory note and then you get paid interest and, you know, partial principal every single month. Uh, I ended up getting to the point where I would just pay the minimum or I would actually do a 0% balance transfers on my credit cards, you know, for like 18 months, put that cash in the lending club, pay the minimum payment that would just keep rolling that up. Uh, that was actually one little avenue I had before I left my W-2 is I had about $1,000 a month coming in just from that stream of income. Again, unfortunately, they've, uh, uh, I want to say petered out, but they've closed down that uh, program as of 2020. <laughs> so it's kind of in drawdown mode, but that was a nice little, you know, uh, passive income stream that I had that I built up before I left uh, my W-2 job as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I uh, was thinking about just different things that, you know, to develop passive cash flow. Um, you know, our ATM machine fund is an awesome mm-hmm. thing that I, I used to, to get into. But one way that I got into it, and again, I'm not giving anybody specific financial advice, but for me, sure. um, taking out lower debt that's fixed for a long term at a low mm-hmm. rate. Uh, I don't know if this exists anymore, but in California and Florida, there was a bank that does did this uh, personal line of credit. If you'd come over and bring a business account or a personal account over, and it was 100K uh, at 2.75% interest wow. only for the first two years. So the last okay. eight years are fixed. So like I was able to take this, take all the money and just invest it, invest it in cash yep. flowing things. And I was like, there's a <laughs> spread on that, right? So to make some money. Yeah, a little arbitrage. So that was super, super helpful to get into some deals and do some things with that. So I love, there are opportunities out there. You know, they say, uh, you know, Warren Buffett, you know, he talks about the idea of just finding value, right? Find creating and finding mm-hmm. value. And a lot of but people that only believe that 
the market is efficient, meaning there's no real deals out there. Of course, if you're in real estate, it's hard to believe nothing's <laughs> because it's like the most inefficient thing ever. But exactly, but like this efficient market theory that's like, oh, you know, if like if you see a twenty dollar bill and you're you're on a walk and you see a twenty dollar bill on the ground, you know, if you were efficient market, you say, well, if it was really a twenty dollar bill, it wouldn't be on the ground, right? Like, it's, like <laughs> it's not even there. Versus, I never thought like, of that analogy. <laughs> you know, but it's true. It's just it's just finding the value and finding um, I don't want to say free money, but you know, getting things. Uh, where you, where you can see the value, where you're seeing, okay, mm -hmm. I'm borrowing at this cost and I'm putting it here, or um, you know, I'm seeing inflation is this. Well, how can I hedge inflation and also yeah. pay off? Um, are you seeing? Yeah, I guess with inflation, are you seeing some of those expenses you've had go up? Or you have you or do you have some some of these things that you've invested in? They've also kind of have an inflation hedged element to them as well. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of both ways. I mean, obviously, like the you know, all my investment properties have fixed rate interest uh, debt on them that are you know, four and a half to 2.5% interest rate. And obviously that's fixed for the term of the loan. But then, you know, some things like property insurance, uh, taxes obviously go up. But then, you know, with my real estate, I across the board, every single one of our units uh, bumped up anywhere from 15 to $25 a month, actually, excuse me, $50 a month uh, bumped up in, you know, monthly rents. So yes, there's the expenses that go up, but the uh, income can... I don't want to say easily, but is uh, very inflation resistant, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that too, because I know a lot of people are, at least at the time of recording this, you know, people are concerned about what's happening with interest rates. You know, if you had mm -hmm. a particularly a single family, you know, six months a year ago, you were getting three percent interest <laughs> rates, and now it's seven percent. So that's a forty-one yep. percent or forty percent increase in the payment size. We really haven't seen, you know, the price of housing really come down much, but what are you seeing? I mean, how do you feel about, uh, you know, real estate? Uh, I'm not sure if you're doing, you know, single family, multifamily, but uh, maybe you can just give some thoughts on kind of what you're seeing and how you, do you think things are going to, pricing is going to come down? What, what are you seeing and kind of what you're investing in? Maybe you can kind of talk about the assets you're investing in. Yeah. Uh, so for investing, generally speaking, I'm uh, in single family. Uh, the last, you know, multi-unit acquisition I did was a duplex about a year ago. Um, what I've seen and kind of talking this because uh, one of the many hats that I wear, I'm a real or a licensed realtor in Minnesota as well. So I work with a lot of uh, first time home buyers and investors too, where a lot of times they have their affordability like, okay, I can afford 500 a month. Well, like you said, that changes quite a bit when the interest rate goes from 3% to uh, 6.75, which I just had one uh, clients uh, pre-approval <laughs> letter just to that. So I obviously there's a little bit of a price uh, pressure on that. At the same token, I do think we kind of need that a little bit because I think unfortunately with you know lower interest rates, both as an investor and as a homeowner, I don't know, I think people just kind of got a little too greedy and like, oh, look how much more home I can buy on this monthly payment. It's like, well, yeah, but do you really need your first home to have five bedrooms, four baths, uh, three car attached garage? I mean, and a partridge. And exactly. A you know, <laughs> so I think uh, there's just a little bit more, you know, uh, realism maybe in the market now where people are, you know, kind of tempering their expectations. That said, the other unfortunate side is, you know, building has been very depressed the last 10 years nationwide. Uh, a lot of class A luxury uh, single family homes have been going up and not a lot of, you know, starter homes really too. So it's an uh, interesting uh, blend, shall we speak, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Um, 
you know, just seeing you know, how to get involved and seeing stuff changing as far as, you know, the, the market. But, you know, it, I, I tell people as well, it's like if you can get into things that have a inflation hedge component or even let's say mm-hmm. you can get like an example I gave, like lower debt on something um, for a long period of time, as long as it cash flows, you can yeah. hold forever. If you're negative now, in, <laughs> where I live in California, it's like the house I live in, I rent just because it doesn't make sense to buy. Like I would, mm-hmm. you know, when rates were 3%, my rent's thirty four fifty for a little three bedroom house, but it would be a one point two million dollar purchase, right? So I have <laughs> to put, I had to, it'd be you know ten percent down, so maybe one hundred you know twenty k down or something, and then I'd be paying seven yeah. k a month. Well, the rates higher now, it'd be more like ten k a month. Mm-hmm. So it's almost three times what it costs to just rent. So exactly. Um, so I see that as being very risky to buy. I mean, there may be a point where that changes and that differential gets closer, but um, you know, it's interesting to uh, to see. Um, so yeah, so any other tips that you have for people as far as, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, Hey, you know, I, I'd like to figure out how to, you know, how to leave my job or, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of learn more about this real estate thing and what I could do that, you know, maybe even passively wouldn't take up more of my time. Yeah. Um, I think the first step and, um, I'd probably mention anyone. And I mean, you kind of mentioned this before where you were earning $200,000 a year. And I think a lot of people get hung up on the gross amount. And I think if they look at what they're, you know, back to the W2 statement at the end of the year, and they look at what they made gross versus what actually got deposited in their checking account, I think that'd be kind of an eye opener. It's like, well, okay, I make 200,000, but after taxes, it's, you know, whatever, 100,000, 110,000. Okay, maybe that's a little bit more attainable than the gross number I was chasing. Because a lot of the passive income streams I pursue and invest in, uh, you are not subject to FICA tax. So, you know, there's 15.2% right right there, especially if you're self-employed, you know, capital gain and uh, uh, dividend rate tax might be, you know, zero to 15% versus, you know, I know you're in California, uh, probably... 30, 40%, if not higher. Um, so I think probably the biggest thing is just understand what is your net amount you need to look at? What are your fixed, you know, monthly expenses? Kind of like you said, you have to pay where, you know, food, travel, gas, some of that, you know, we can all make some adjustments to that, but our rent, our, you know, uh, car payment, whatever the case may be, are pretty much fixed. And then just, you know, break it down. What's your individual expenses? What can you tie into that? Um, I actually have several, uh, again, I'm not giving investment advice either, but I should say uh, partnerships that I've uh, made in a lot of investment platforms that you can start at 10 or 25 bucks a month. And obviously I invest up to $10,000 a month too. And, you know, I think everyone's situation is different, but they can start, start small and work their way up. Yeah, no, you brought up a great point too. I think the the tax uh, issues, uh, tax piece is important. And normally people have the two buckets. One is the investment bucket over here that, you know, mm-hmm. at least some of this you can reduce or lower taxes. But when it comes to your actual income, that's harder to reduce unless mm-hmm. you find a way to do it. So I realized for me making 200K a year, if I paid no taxes, it'd be more like I could make 140 a year. And that was yep. enough. <laughs> so I found a way, you know, being a real estate professional, I pay almost, you know, no taxes. So I went from being a, 25% or higher tax rate to, uh, you know, for some of my income to be, you know, about a 1%. And so that was huge. So, right. Just, just mm-hmm. finding out ways to, you could actually make less money, but still, you know, make more just by, by the tax benefits. 
Um, well, that's awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. I encourage everybody to, uh, to check out your show, both your shows, the Wealth Freedom Nexus, <laughs> as well as the Screw the W2. Yep, and all I my just, little hashtags there. Yeah. Uh, you just yeah. go W Freedom Nexus. It's on YouTube, iTunes, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and just Google John Ricker, and I'm not too hard to find. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, yeah, I encourage people to reach out to you. I just want to uh, appreciate the, all the value you're adding to the marketplace, and you're doing it because you really enjoy people. You really enjoy helping folks. And I know you have investments that you do as well. So is that the best way to reach you is on socials or what's the best way people can reach out if they want to connect with you, John? Uh, yeah. It's, like I said, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, probably the two easiest, uh, John at wealthandfreedomnexus.com is my email. Uh, like I said, you know, Google me, uh, interesting fact, there's only three Rick Kearns in the world. So I'm not too difficult to find. Wow. There's only three Rick Kearns in the world. Like yeah. With this spelled the way that it's spelled, yep, R-I-C-K-G-A-R-N. Uh, yeah, my great-grandfather immigrated from Germany, changed <laughs> his name, had an only child. Only child had my dad, my aunt, and my uncle. My uncle had a daughter. My aunt never had kids. Then my dad and my mom just had me. I was an only child. And now I mar- married my wife, and we have a son, Ronald. So there's just three of us with the last name. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, that's amazing. Well, the... The one and only Ricker and awesome. Good yeah. to you know, I guess the, 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 the few and the proud. So great to have you, John. Appreciate you. And I look forward to connecting with you hopefully in an upcoming event. But thanks again for coming on the show today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bronson. All right. So I love talking about this. I love talking about screwing the W-2 so that you can leave. You can do what you want to do. I mean, having freedom of your time is awesome to me. I, I'm working pretty hard, but I'm doing it because I want to do it. And I do feel like I'm really making an impact in people's lives. And I'm building something it really will be lasting. I'm really building a brand and building uh, hopefully a platform that people can really, you know, connect with and really that uh, it's something that's, you know, I'm not selling stuff for someone else or another company. I'm, I'm doing it for my own brand, which is awesome. So, and I've been able to get involved with causes like uh, fighting human trafficking, which is a, is a big why for me. So I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Um, wanted to, I have a big ask for you that will take you probably 30 seconds to do. So if you're watching this on YouTube, please, uh, you know, hit the like button. On iTunes in particular, this is where I really could use some help. Um, I only have a few reviews and I need to get some more reviews here. So if you are uh, getting value from this, if you could go to iTunes and just write a review, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna start reading some of these. Um, and this one is from Raptor to Extreme. It says, uh, I'm just gonna read, you know, so if you want some free publicity, I'll be happy to read it for you. It says, I met Bronson a year ago at the Real Estate Guy Summit in Belize and have followed him on his journey since. He has a great handle and philosophy when it comes to smart, debt to use inflation to your advantage and invest in real assets that provide cash flow and benefits. So go to the, uh, it's really easy. You just, I'm just on my phone here and you just go straight down to mailbox money show and you can scroll down to where it's the reviews here. I got to get that to a five star. So I'm not five star. So please go on. It really helps people to find this show. And so if you are getting value from it, I'd really appreciate a review. So uh, write a review, take 30 seconds and I will read uh, reviews on upcoming uh, episodes. Uh, just to give you some shout outs as well. So uh, thanks for taking the time to educate yourself. The best investment you make is in your own education. So uh, well done. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Mailbox Money. You've been listening to the Mailbox Money podcast. For more free resources, articles, and videos, go to bronsonequity.com. There you can download your copy of the special report, The Single Best Investment Strategy During and After a Pandemic. 
None of the information shared here is an offer to buy a specific investment, and this is for educational purposes only. Consult your financial, legal, and tax professionals and use your own common sense before making any investment decisions. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to tune next time for more Mailbox Money.